Every company is undergoing some kind of transformation. Whether you're upgrading your tech stack, migrating cloud, analyzing process to improve your employee experience, every enterprise is saddled with the need to improve their systems. But what if that daunting process was a thing of the past? What if instead of having to undergo massive technology upgrades, that that process was just continuous? If you ask John Nicely, Principal Consultant, Automation and Process Excellence at Fortress IQ, that's the way of the future. Process data is kind of that missing puzzle piece that nobody's had access to. And I think once we get it in place, that's when I think you'll have a complete and comprehensive understanding of your organization, how it truly operates. And I'm starting to play with this idea that when we get to that point, is that going to be the end of our digital transformation journey? The end of digital transformation sounds too good to be true, but is it? In this episode of IT Visionaries, John explains why the reality of continuous systems improvement through the use of automation tools, it's really not that far off. Plus, John drives into data-driving insights, powering continuous transformation across enterprises, and why employees should embrace automation tools. Enjoy. IT Visionaries is created by the team at Mission.org and brought to you by Salesforce Platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Innovate fast, empower every employee, and scale with confidence from anywhere with a customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com platform. Welcome everyone to another episode of IT Visionaries. And today we have the principal automation and process excellence leader at Fortress IQ, John Nisley. John, welcome to the show. Thanks very much for having me on the program, Albert. Look forward to the conversation. All right. I want to get right into it. There's something you write about quite a bit on LinkedIn. You call it process intelligence. Fortress IQ is also in this domain. What is process intelligence? So process intelligence is about the automatic and continuous acquisition of process data. And we're doing it at speed and at scale across uh, every process, every application, every department. And the goal is really to provide fast and clear and accurate visibility into the current state of your organization's processes. You know, we want to eliminate those unknowns to really enable companies to better plan and better execute. And the whole idea is if you don't understand your current state, it is so hard to get to that magical future state. And if you step back and, you know, think about it logically, uh, it makes sense. You know, you can't get from point A to point B if you don't know where point A is, if you don't know where you're starting from. You know, Google Maps can get you from Boston to New York pretty easily, tell you how long it takes, if there are tolls, if there's an option to take a plane. But if you just say, hey, I want to go to New York, it can't help you at all because it doesn't know where you are currently. And it's no different for, for an organization. And, you know, fundamentally, people don't understand how their organization truly functions at that granular user activity level. So that's the problem that we're trying to solve. So it sounds similar to business process mining. I've heard that term before. Is this a similar domain or are those two things separate? Similar domain, uh, process mining technically involves access to log files on uh, specific applications. And you know what we found is a lot of applications that people spend a lot of their time on don't have log files. And so it makes process mining very difficult. 
So the technology and, and tool that we use uh, is a small software agent gets installed on target desktops, uh, records all the activity that goes on on the screen, and then ultimately that information gets used by artificial intelligence and computer vision and natural language processing, all sorts of other technologies. And we convert that unstructured image data into structured data that we can then go mine and analyze. So we get a very complete picture of the process from end to end, as opposed to some process mining technologies that it can only look at and explore certain applications. Okay. So I think I understand this. So lo long story short, same domain, but slightly different approach to getting the same type of information. No, I like what I'm hearing. I want to use an actual use case. I just recall because it just, it quantified something for me so easily. And then I want to bring it and have you explain it to me back in the Fortress IQ world. Cause I think this applies. So I remember being in a conference once where the person, I don't know who was in charge, but they were talking about into it and they examined all the customer complaints and the customer complaints they realized all came from life-changing events because life-changing events typically require you to get paperwork that's where everyone's getting hung up on the TurboTax product and so what they did through all the survey data long form survey data was they said okay this is where everyone is getting hung up let's move these life-changing event questions to the front and they noticed that their call center volume dropped so it sounds like with a product like fortress iq what you guys are in the business of these tools didn't have log files, so business process mining can't quite get that. But you would see that every time someone called, for example, that they were logging their computer that, hey, this is a, uh, you know, a life change event. And like you can see calls pick up when they got to this page uh, across different software applications. Am I thinking about this correctly, where you could actually study someone's computer and see what they're doing versus like in their call tool versus their uh, logging tool, their customer service tool, where you're then able to see like, holy, holy cow, all the bottlenecks happen in these window of events. And that's where we need to solve that problem. Is that kind of how the, the, the software and the process works? You're thinking about it the right way. And, you know, no business process, especially today, occurs within a single application or very few, let's say. Yeah. And so, you know, what we find is people are jumping from Excel to email to their core system, to their ERP system. And so you need to be able to look at all that activity across the board. And there's some tools, you know, BPM tools that sit a little, you know, call it higher up and can look at that overall process, but they don't tell you exactly how the work gets done. And because we're looking at those, you know, individual screens and we can provide you stepwise, you know, images of those activities, you can then track that activity very granularly, exactly how it gets done. You know, one way to think about it, the analogy that we use sometimes is sort of the factory analogy. And some of those business process tools, the mining tools, you know, the BPM tools, they can tell you, you know, how the car moves down the factory floor. Mm -hmm. Okay. It spends this much time in the chassis area. It spends this much time in the painting area. It spends this much time in the finishing area. What those tools can't tell you is how the paint actually gets applied. And that's what our tool is essentially doing. It tells you how those individual steps and how those individual stages get accomplished. So then you can go back later on and make improvements to the process, find where your bottlenecks are, you know, make it a more frictionless experience in the, in the use case with Intuit that you, that you referenced, whatever the desired outcome is on the business side. Yeah, I was wondering if you could share an example that you might have of a company that, you know, let's say they didn't know what they didn't know until they installed your application. They're like, oh, okay, I've just now uncovered something that I need to solve. I'd love to hear an example of that so that we can get a better picture of what this is. Yeah. So let, let me, let me give you 
two examples and I'll give you sort of a, a higher level and then a sort of lower level. So, so, so we'll go top down and then, and then bottom up. So uh, one organization that we're working with last year, over the course of five months, we observed uh, about 60 different people across different business units and recorded 57 million events. Okay. When we looked at all that information, aggregated it all together, again, it's, it's all computer-based. So, and so uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're taking advantage of sort of the big data capabilities. When we aggregated it all together, over 60% of the time, so a you know, clear majority of time was spent in, call them the productivity apps, Excel, email, Word, PDF, all applications that don't necessarily create a log file or a record of the activity. Now, if I was the CEO or the chief operating officer, I'm spending millions of dollars every year on systems of record and a majority of my employees' time is not even in those systems. At the end of the day, all that knowledge in my organization is walking out the door. If I want to build AI models in the future, none of that data is being captured. If I want to outsource a process in the future, you know, my workflow is so unstructured, I can't outsource it. I'd have to fix that process before. So, you know, that's an example of, of sort of a, a high level insight that we can drive from the tool. Now, let me go from the other side, from sort of the bottoms up. Two cases last year that we had, uh, different companies. Each time we were asked to uh, examine, observe uh, a cohort of 10 individuals. You know, maybe one was 10, one was 12. I can't remember the exact specifics on it. Uh, in each case, they said, hey, this cohort does the exact same thing. They're all doing a financial services reporting or transaction process. You know, but, but in general, the, the cohort of, of 10, 12 people should be doing the exact same thing. In each case, we observed, came back, looked at the data, did a readout for them. We come back and we said, hey, we know you said all 10 of these people are doing the same thing. Only three of the people were actually in the core business system. <laughs> the other seven didn't even touch it. And reading the room and seeing the eyes like, you know, all of a sudden the eyes pop up, be like, how do they know that? And we don't know that, you know, and that's a real eye opener. And so people say, hey, is this a performance management tool? I mean, you can use the data how you want, but the fact is that we're giving you this incredibly granular insight in terms of what actually goes on in your organization that you've never had the ability to access before. Um, and that's the result of, you know, new technology that, you know, you couldn't do this stuff, you know, three, four or five years ago. So we're sort of at the, at the bleeding edge of this, but this is really the way that we see, uh, you know, this sector moving very quickly. So what are some of the outcomes that companies have when they uncover these things? Because that's a great example. I tell you to take a study of my top 10 performers. You tell me, hey, seven out of my top 10 don't even use my core business systems. My first thought process was, I, because I, my immediate reaction was thinking, well, John, what do these guys do? And, it can, if, if, and what are they doing so unique? Can I teach it to other people? I feel like I could get an advantage there. And that's how my mind starts going. But I'd love to hear what your customers are doing with this information. And that's exactly it. You know, sometimes it's a reskilling opportunity. Hey, here's a massive bottleneck. And we found somebody who just found a better way to do it. So yeah, the outcomes come in, in, in various ways. Uh, a lot of our work very early on was in sort of the automation and the RPA space. Uh, but we're seeing more and more companies use it for that sort of continuous improvement type model. 
Uh, we've got organizations using it now for compliance mm. applications and putting together compliance reports that need to go to the, the SEC on stock trading information on, on requests that come in. Uh, compliance, uh, customer experience, you know, looking to create a more frictionless customer experience. Your example with, you know, the, the Intuit application aligns with that uh, really across the board. I mean, it can be used to drive any key business initiative because again, anytime you want to improve, you have to know what your current state is before you can get to that, uh, you know, improved future state. What is uh, the appetite for implementing something like this? Because on one hand, it sounds ultra useful if I was a business leader and I have, you know, I'm a business leader at Mission. We have processes here. I'd love to get better at it. You know, we're not perfect. I know that. But then I also think about, do people feel like it's an invasion of privacy? Is it, what are some of the things that people don't maybe understand much about? Because it sounds like the software application will record and examine everything I'm doing, but I know it's not a violation of privacy but I'd love for you to explain why it's not. Yeah, great question. And, and a topic that comes up in every conversation we have around security. And, and ultimately, a lot of it depends on the culture of the organization. And that is a major element of it. Now, we've got a lot of safeguards built into the tool to allow you to, you know, allow or deny certain applications uh, that you can decide to record information on. We've also got a masking appliance in there as well that you can strip out any personally identified information as well. Uh, some organizations want to know or want to train the, the people how to turn it on and off if that's you know, what they're looking to do, if there's a concern on that side. So you know, from our perspective, we're flexible in how people approach it and recognize that each organization is going to be different and unique in terms of how they want to address the sort of data security and data privacy issue. You know, on the flip side, the traditional way of, of getting a lot of this information was through workshops or interview sessions or time and motion studies. You know, those are a major disruption on the workforce as well. And, you know, you could either have somebody looking over your shoulder, recording everyone, everything you do, or you can have, you know, the computer essentially do it and, and make the data anonymous at a certain level. So, you know, people have been exposed to this for a while. And, you know, I think it's, you know, part of the, the new world we, we live in that, you know, you've got to, you know, address some of these concerns. And again, it's, it comes down to, you know, trust and faith in your organization and the technology. No, that makes, that makes total sense. When it comes to developing the application or on the, fu- the functional side and how it works, you know, one of the things is, I think about is applications that are on my system that actually end up slowing down my system, right? I'm, I'm sure that's a major concern because it feels like this would be recording quite a bit of information and therefore, I don't know how it works, but is it taking up a ton of RAM? Do I need a specific RAM number to <laughs> on my hardware machine to make sure this is working and functional? Because I think about, you know, we've all been there using Google Chrome, maybe in a meeting and you're like, geez, my, my computer has crawled to like an inoperable state. <laughs> Yeah, no, it, it is a very lightweight software agent that gets installed on the target desktops. Uh, it's, I think, a two and a half meg download. Oh, that's nothing. Two and a half. <laughs> yeah, it uses, uses two to 3% of computer resources. Uh, I think it's less than 10 kilobytes per second of data transfer. So there's almost zero impact uh, on the network or on, on the computer system. And, you know, we're not necessarily, unless we're, we're talking about some compliance applications, 
again, we need to capture enough data to make this a big data problem and get all the variations and all the permutations of a potential process. We don't need it on everybody's machine. If you've got 50, 60 people doing a, you know, end of the month close process or doing, uh, you know, invoice processing, we only need to record, you know, 10, 12 of those people for two weeks, you know, depending on the frequency of the application, if this is something they do, you know, 50 times a day, we may not even need two weeks of data to get enough of that information to figure out, okay, here's, here's the universe of how this process is completed. So then I can, you know, do an automation faster. I can figure out a, a more streamlined way to do that process. So it is a, not necessarily a continuous ongoing recording that we need if that's the application that you're looking to, to use it on. Yeah. So I want to read something from the company, uh, the, from the company literature. And then I want you to explain what's, what, how this works. Cause this is, I'm really fascinated because you, you've mentioned how lightweight this is. You're only recapturing enough data to make it useful, to make a decision. It says that Fortress IQ is the creator of a cognitive automation platform powering accelerates digital transformation through <laughs> imitation learning using an innovative type of AI that combines computer vision, natural language, and sequence modeling. And you learn how business functions live through live activity analysis. So let's use that end of the month close. Walk me through what the system's recording. And then, you know, definitely for our audience, we'd love to hear some of the things that you guys have uncovered and helped improve. So the, you know, process is the same regardless of, you know, what the target application or outcome that we're looking to, to drive or capture is. Okay. Uh, you know, so we, we get a percentage of people doing the process. And we need to get enough data to capture it effectively. And here's where, you know, it's a bit of, of art and science based on experience uh, comes in that we, you know, help guide the client with to make sure they do, we do capture enough information to get good data to be able to map and discover the processes along with all the different variations and, and permutations that come up to be able to, you know, either execute an automation more efficiently or uh, streamline a, a workflow to make it uh, work better or provide the information to train another team on this process. You know, it varies depending on, you know, how often the process is completed, how many people are doing it, uh, what the complexity of it is. And, and that, you know, all sorts of, uh, you know, gets, gets put together to determine, you know, what the, what the right amount of data that we need to capture and how many cycles we need to go through to be able to get that information, to be able to map and discover all those processes. You know, I think different outcomes that we've seen from people, I mentioned the compliance uh, opportunity where we automated, you know, that workflow. And that was literally taking a woman six to seven hours a day of what we would call swivel chair work, copy and pasting information from an email, putting it into an Excel spreadsheet, putting it then into a uh, web-based application that would go search the database, pulling that information back into a text report, and then processing that information back you know, to the regulatory authority. <laughs> As you can expect, she was a little concerned of like, hang on, you're going to automate everything I do. You're going to automate me out of work. But I think that's where you know, this question of you know, the role of automation in the world today comes from. You know, everybody's trying to do more with less. Nobody's got time. And as much as possible, if we can shift work from lower value to higher value work, you know, we've got a massive opportunity to improve employee experience, improve productivity in the organization, 
and really, you know, sort of make everybody's life a bit better. So that's something that we've heard from the different automation intelligence companies, uh, whether it's RPA, business process mining, you know, that's something that people still continue to fear, which is this idea that your work is going to be automated and then removed. Obviously, that's not true. You know, we've developed more technology, <laughs> it's obviously, since the day of the plows, and we clearly have more jobs for more people. They just move. Like, instead of us plowing fields now, we don't need to do that as much. You know, we have tractors. So automation each time. Culturally, why do you think at companies there's like a fear level? Because the leaders typically want this, and then some of the, you know, just some of the team members tend to be like, they kind of get scared. So I wonder if they view you as like a scary thing. You're coming in like Fortress IQ is coming. Yeah, it's like, uh, you know, what's that office space and the bobs come in to, to you know, yeah. handle all the layoffs. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny that the, the woman I mentioned who we were doing the compliance with, you know, after three days, she starts going, hey, can you guys also do this? And, and what yeah. about that? It's like, <laughs> she's, like, she's like, man, I did not know how miserable my job was on a day to day basis until, until I didn't have to do it anymore. And I, I think, you know, they're you know, different people have different motivations. Uh, you know, some people get very comfortable in the work they do and any, any sort of change is a concern for them. You know, I think you've got a situation and I'm not a psychologist, but you know, you've got people who, you know, I, I don't want to give up my domain of information because then I'm not going to be seen as the, the expert or the, the person who's so critical in their role. You know, I've been in technology my whole life. So I just, you know, that, perspective for me is just so far off the norm. I can't imagine it. But, you know, we did some work uh, last year I did with uh, a government agency. And I think they had like 67% of their employees were retirement eligible in the next two years. That's a lot. I mean, there was, there was no way, there was no way. And if I would tell you the government agency, you'd be like, okay, just let it shut down. That's perfectly fine. <laughs> but you know, there was no way that this organization is going to survive if they don't bring in some of this technology to help automate the processes and the workflow and you know, capture some of this knowledge that these workers who've been there for you know, 30, 40 years have in their, in their heads. You know, and, and you know, potentially they're looking at half their employees walking out in the next you know, 12, 18 months or so. Yeah, we see that with a lot of different, there's, I mean, that one organization you just named, the government institution, that's not, they're not alone. There's other companies that are facing that coming forward. Do you think this is going to accelerate the adoption of new technologies? Because one of the things that we've consistently heard from different organizations that have been on the show is that there are legacy companies, that legacy companies using legacy systems, we don't have to call them legacy companies, but there's companies using legacy systems for sure. And they've kind of taken on this approach that if it's not really that broken, we don't need to really fix it. But then the world's moving faster and faster. People want more products and services all the time that are faster. Do you think you know, process intelligence is a way to unlock new knowledge so that they can make these investments to get off legacy systems? Or is this not necessary? Like People should just switch and then figure out using these systems to how to better use future systems. Because I didn't know, like, do legacy companies think about applying this to their to their tools, because maybe they haven't thought about it, but I don't know. You have the experience here. I mean, I, th I think if you look at the you know overall challenge of digital transformation, the success rates are miserable. Yeah, you know, every every report puts it at about thirty percent. Uh, McKinsey came out uh, not too long ago, and I think said fourteen percent. Only fourteen percent of companies have seen a sustained and material 
improvement in their operations through the transformation. That's not good. <laughs> you know, Gartner came out not too long ago or, you know, a while back and said that only 1% of companies, only 1% had enough insight on their processes to be able to take advantage of the digital solutions that they had in place. You know, so I, th- I think, again, it, it sort of ultimately goes back to this challenge of companies fundamentally don't understand how they operate on a daily basis. They'll be able to tell you, oh yeah, we've got a procure to pay process. But if you say, okay, how's an, how's an invoice get created? Nobody can tell you that. And you know, this technology is what allows you to figure those things out so you can make those adjustments and you know, improve faster, have higher success rates in your transformation programs. You know, it's a major issue, but you know, I think we're, we're slowly seeing you know, some shift towards addressing it because, you know, again, we, we all know that data-driven organizations win, you know, and we've known that for a long time, you know, all the way back to, you know, Peter Drucker and, you know, what gets measured gets improved. You know, I think that was sort of our first journey on, you know, insights and, hey, we need to be more data-driven. I mean, that goes all the way back to the 50s. Yep. You know, a generation later, you had Michael Porter in Competitive Advantage talk about having a systematic way to assess processes and using that to drive competitive advantage. So these ideas have been around for a while, but there's been no way to really capture this data and act on it. And I think, you know, the other sort of shift that we'll see is, you know, to date, a lot of process work, whether it's process mapping, you know, the traditional manual way of using consultants and BAs, to explore and discover a process, to process mining, which we talked about earlier. Uh, there's some stuff called task discovery out there. It is all very episodic. You know, it is time boxed at a certain point in time. And I think ultimately, we're going to move towards a more continuous measurement. And if you think about it, it kind of makes sense. You know, you don't put your security antivirus software on for two weeks and then turn it off because you're done. You know, you don't put on Google Analytics on your website because you want to improve your customer experience for a month and then turn it off and move on. Right. No, those are continuous, you know, real time because the world's ever changing, your applications are ever changing, your customers are ever changing, and you need to have this constant insight into terms of what's going on in your organization to make it better. And I think people say, hey, you know, I'm already drowning in data. I've got financial information, I've got sales data, I've got operational data. Uh, I've got data coming from my ERP system, you know, whatever it may be, you know, I'm, I'm already data driven, but this process data is kind of that missing puzzle piece that nobody's had access to. And I think once we get it in place, um, you know, whether it's us or similar technologies, you know, that's when I think you'll have a complete and comprehensive understanding of your organization, how it truly operates. And, you know, I'm starting to play with this idea that, does that, when we get to that point, is that going to be the end of our digital transformation journey? You know, there's always been this debate of whether, you know, are we going to have an end of transformation or is this just going to go on and this is the new way of, of doing business? And for a long time, I was like, now this is just the, the new normal, as they say, and, and we're not, we're always going to be stuck with it. But, you know, I'm starting to sort of think in my mind that, no, if we can really lock down how companies operate and make adjustments to them in real time on an ongoing basis, we're going to be able to check the box on digital transformation. And then we can move on to what's next, you know, and 
who knows what that's going to be. But, you know, that's, that's the way I'm starting to think. It's not going to happen tomorrow. But, uh, you know, they're, they're in, in my mind, I'm starting to think there's a light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah, it's an interesting point you bring up because I equate it more like to, you know, websites, company websites, or when you talk to people with, in marketing, they say like, you know, well, when's the website going to be done? It's like, well, it's actually never done. It's literally never done. Digital transformation probably is never done. Like the word is never, I think the word will get phased out. I think what it'll just be is continuous evolution of work. Uh, I think that's where we're heading towards. I'm curious, you know, you have, you had a great, a lot of great points on what you're seeing in the market and what the future holds for companies. I'm curious today when companies come to you, is it out of necessity and need, meaning like they have to figure out a solution to solve a process because they're getting bottlenecked or is it ambition to improve something that they don't know? Or you see like a 50-50 split or what would you say people are currently, because I think eventually it'll just become a requirement. I think eventually companies that figure out their systems and processes will get so much more efficient than others that it makes me, if I'm the other, have to have a need. Like I have to now do this myself because I'm falling behind. I can't charge what the other people charge. I can't you know, service as many people as my competition services. So I'll, I'll have to figure out a way to do that or just fall behind and die. But I know that right now we're in the middle of this transformation. So I didn't know if half the people coming to you were like, oh, I have a need. I can't keep up with my competitors or half the people were saying, hey, I need to transform. I don't know why, but I just, I just think I want to be more ambitious and take on the next evolution of what my company needs to do. Great question. You know, I would say that most of our work is comes because there's there's a problem that they're trying to solve. You know, it's not that pie in the sky, blue sky, hey, you know, I, I know I need this and and I want to get better. I'm not sure where it's going to be, but you know, it's a goal and and you know, I want to have sort of the complete and full understanding of my business. We've got, you know, one client, I would say, who actually fits in that mold. And they're like, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to use this data for, but I know it's important and I want to start getting used to it. <laughs> Um, but everybody else, it's like, hey, I've got this problem and I think you guys can solve it. You know, let me let me give you a real world example to sort of put it into perspective. You know, one major client came to us and said, you know, here, here's my problem. 18 months ago, I bought a license for 2,500 RPA bots from one of the major vendors. Mm. I'm 18 months into this thing. I've deployed 200 bots. I've got over 2,000 licenses just sitting on the shelf that I'm going to have to pay for again coming up soon. Can you guys help me solve this bottleneck? You know, can you help me find and identify opportunities where I can automate workflow more quickly and more efficiently? You know, that was our very common use case, you know, long time ago, you know, last year, basically. But again, that sort of goes to this, you know, I've got a problem and I think you guys can help fix it. Mm -hmm. And we see that in, in, in a bunch of areas, but there, there are a few that have sort of that blue sky hope of here's how, here's how we can address the challenge. So what, 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 is there been a fundamental shift now of like, you know, that's what it was a year ago. What is there, has been, there been a change for what's going on today? Yeah, I, th I think people are starting to see how this information can get used better across the organization. And, and some of it just flat out, to be honest with you, our marketing. You know, we've shifted from sort of a, a pure, hey, you know, we can help you with your RPA journey to, hey, we can help you across your entire organization because the more data you have about your organization, the better you guys can, can have outcomes, you know, in, in a variety of areas. So, you know, automation is still very much a, a core use case, but we are seeing more interest in, you know, the continuous improvement compliance, experience, and, and just the general analytical value of our data. Where do you see 
this type of technology, do you see it going? So like right now, it's primarily, I believe, in knowledge work. Uh, people that are knowledge workers, um, you, na- you name finance as an industry. I'm assuming most you know accounts payable, procure to pay. That's all finance heavy based. Knowledge. Do you see this crossing skill sets? Could this be part of other companies, part of other processes? Um, I guess does it require a term like? I guess everything's computerized now. So there's no, absolutely everything has a computer now. <laughs> Every single process seems to have a computer. Is it going to evolve so that you got, you know your industry is now measuring? You know, I'm trying to think of like a hotel measuring how many people are being checked in, measuring how many people are flowing through the checkout process. Uh, you know, I think of hotels because I think it's very antiquated. It's one of the few things where you have to, like, it seems like you have to go to the front desk to get something. There's always a line. There's always a staff of two. It seems preposterous, but, you know, in hotels have a high manual labor workflow where rooms get cleaned, food gets prepared. All things are measured, I think, but probably a computer interface that creates the order. And then a computer interface that says the order's been completed. Do you see process intelligence expanding beyond just computer systems? Like it's gonna is it gonna get into manual labor where I don't know, like is it gonna require sensors or what to figure out what's going on? Uh, it's it's an interesting question. I think I think if you look at sort of current state, you know, process discovery industry, just about every use case you see and read is from the you know financial and accounting practices area. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I've been, I've been suckered into many a webinar that says, come listen to hear how our process discovery works in the, you know, pharmaceutical drug discovery area. And they have like one line about that. And then they immediately go into, let's look at an order to cash process. And you're like, hang on, <laughs> hang on. I got, I got <laughs> snookered on that one. You know, our technology is flexible enough that we see use cases across the enterprise and also across industries. So we see a bunch of work in HR. Uh, we see a lot of work uh, on the customer facing side. Uh, one of our largest clients is in the media and advertising space. Mm. And you wouldn't think of them as normally being, you know, somebody who'd be a heavy user of process technology. You know, they're in a creative industry, they're in a very agile industry, but uh, you know, they are very data driven. So they see the need for it. Uh, and I, I talked to them. I said, hey, why you, know, why you guys using our stuff? And they said, because you're the only technology right now that can look across every application, every department, you know, every service area. You know, you're not just stuck in this financial and accounting practices area. And we need that because we're, we're a bit more creative, a bit more agile, you know, a bit more diverse in that area. I think, you know, others will catch up. Uh, but right now we've got this advantage and we're going to take advantage of it. You know, our, our biggest clients are, you know, on the retail side, consumer packaged goods, you know, all, all over the place. It's not limited to the traditional healthcare and financial services. Uh, we've got a mining company over in the Ukraine. That's a big user of us. Oh, wow. Uh, you know, folks, folks all over the, the globe. Well, I'll tell you what, that marketing agency work, I think is an interesting area. I know they are very, very much so focused on gathering data and reform. Like it's a, it's just a manual process. I can tell you that much. Like it, I wish I had it back when I worked in uh, the software industry. Cause when I was in the software industry, we did marketing and agency was agencies were our customers and the amount of hours they spend pulling data out of disparate sources to 
then give a report back to a customer, it's it's pretty mind boggling actually, because most of these tools aren't designed to talk to other tools. Mm-hmm. And so it's a, like you suggested, it's quite manual in the process. So yeah, I think this is that's an interesting field that you named because I think I can see that 100% expanding significantly. Right now though, John, it's time for the lightning round. <laughs> the lightning round is brought to us by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. John, this is where we ask you questions outside of work so our audience can get to know you a little better. You ready? I'm ready. All right. And then this is a personal question, but it kind of crosses over into work. Have you used any forms of automation to make your personal life easier? No. <laughs> I'm trying to think. No, I don't think so. You probably have. You, it's, it's called outsourcing. Whenever you have something... <laughs> Most people, that's what they do. They outsource something. I mean, I'm sure you've outsourced at minimum an oil change. I was thinking more on the, the more on the technology side. <laughs> you know, I, I, I took this job at Fortress IQ uh, March 6th of last year, and I was supposed to be on the road three to four weeks a month. And uh, a week later, the world shut down and I haven't left my spare bedroom yet. So, uh, you know, a, lo- a lot of my time has been focused on the, on the work angle and not the, uh, not the personal automation <laughs> side. You know, you made, you made a comment about it. What's one of the things you're looking forward to when, let's say, all the travel restrictions start lifting and people feel more confident going about daily lives? What's one of the things you look, most look forward to returning? I think go, going out to dinner, seeing friends and family again on a, on a regular basis. I think that's been the, the biggest challenge over the past year. Uh, you know, you can only have so many Zoom virtual cocktail, uh, you know, with, with your old high school buddies, uh, and, and every now and then you got to get in, in person and, and relive the glory days instead of staring at a screen all day. All right. Now I got to ask the glory days, what's something glorious you used to do that you need to, you feel like you need to pick back up glorious that I used to do, or you can, or just miss doing, <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, the one area that's been sort of crazy over the past years is the lack of, you know, sort of getting big groups of people together. Yeah. You know, when you think about like going to a football game and it's been so long now, you know, I can't imagine myself going to, you know, college professional, whatever it is, you know, with, with 30, 40, 50, 60, 70,000 people in some cases. And I think, you know, going back to that type of activity or going to a concert on the music side, uh, you know, seems so foreign right now to me, but it's just a total mind shift in terms of, you know, how we operate now and how we think, you know, in this, in this new environment that we're living in. You kind of shared it earlier. It sounds like you're a big sports fan. You use the sports analogy now. Again, you mentioned the Patriots earlier. Are you a big football fan, big sports fan? I'm a decent sports fan. I got a son who plays a lot of ice hockey. So I see a lot of ice hockey games, to be honest with you. So then you and I have that in common. I have a son that plays ice hockey too. So I know that, you know, there's a lot of money that goes into that. That's sad. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I can't go on vacation. (laughs) Have you ever calculated how much, you don't have to tell me the number. Have you ever calculated how much money you spend on your son in a calendar year for ice hockey? Oh, I think about it all the time. (laughs) That's a lot. (laughs) For those parents out there that it's a great activity, but if you don't want to swing a lot of cash, do not get your kid into ice hockey. It costs <laughs> the tournaments, between tournaments travel. John knows the pain. Oh, it adds up. Yep. Oh, and like advanced skates. How old is your, your son that plays? 16. Okay, so he's in the range where like the top level skates at his age group are like a thousand bucks. Oh, yeah. So it's like, it's like yeah, I think he bought new skates. He fortunately stopped growing a little bit. 
his last pair of skates, I think were like 800 bucks. Yeah. Two years ago, two, three years ago, he didn't get the top, top of the line, which are, you know, 1100, 1200 bucks. He's like, I might outgrow these. I'm like, you better not. <laughs> there you go. That is a fine piece of advice for all you adults out there. If you're thinking about having kids and you don't want to spend a lot of money on their activities, do not go down ice hockey. Although I have enjoyed every moment of it. And it sounds like you have as well. It's a lot of fun. And, and, you know, seeing the kids being able to get out there and that's what really, I mean, my, my son's team did not really get shut down during COVID. I'm up in Virginia and they were able to skate almost all last year. And I think that's the one thing that kept his, uh, his sanity because the, uh, the virtual school got to be a challenge to say the least. No doubt about it. Now I got to ask where, which team does your son play for? Do you play for St. James? Oh, you know the area. Yeah, yeah. He played. He played last year for the Potomac Patriots on their USPHL U16 team. So that's awesome. Normally we'd spend. Normally we'd spend a lot of time heading up north to you know Boston, Connecticut, New York, New Jersey. But we were, we got in most of the season, but stayed fairly local almost all year. That's awesome. Hey, listen, everyone, if you get a chance, look up St. James in Springfield, Virginia. It's an unbelievable facility. <laughs> yeah, no, it is, it's 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 about as nice as you can get. There you go. John, I appreciate you joining us today on IT Visionaries. Thanks for sharing all that you're doing inside of process intelligence. Thanks for sharing some of the use cases your customers are using. And it was awesome talking to you about your you know, philosophy and your belief of what's going to happen in the future. I agree with you. Digital transformation is not that I don't think there's an end game. It, I think it's just it's going to be endless. People are going to constantly try to improve their business from here until infinity. I mean, there will be no stop. Thank you very much, Albert. Appreciate the conversation. IT Visionaries is created by the team at mission.org and brought to you by the Salesforce platform, the number one cloud platform for digital transformation of every experience. Build connected experiences, empower every employee, and deliver continuous innovation with the customer at the center of everything you do. Learn more at salesforce.com slash platform.